wake up everybody no more sleeping in bed no more back to thinking time for thinking ahead this is the game of life I could listen to that song all day long. All day, Wake bro. up, everybody. That's just smooth. It just puts things in perspective. This is Gail Nelson, host of the Game of Life Mentoring Podcast, uh, President and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters. And I am pleased to have one of our board leaders, a brother that I met that is just as smooth as the other and cool as the other <laughs> side of the pillow. Uh, I'm the little Stuart Scott over there. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, shout out, uh, I tell you. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, season two, episode number three. We have with us Dr. Keith Noble, Deputy Director, Cirque Sinus, and formerly a CIA executive. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to sit oh. up straight Uh-oh. in my seat, make sure <laughs> I'm on my best behavior. Welcome to the show, Keith. Thank you so much, Gil. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us about your personal story. This is a mentoring podcast. Metaphorically, I call it the game of life because in the game of life, we're all, pl- we're all on the team. This That's is right. not, but how you play is up to you. So speaking of, and of course you have a sports background, this is not a sports right. podcast per se, but what is your personal story and what brought you to Miami Key? Well, Gil, first of all, I want to thank you for uh, extending me an opportunity to come here and participate on this podcast. Uh, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I'm the oldest of three sons. Uh, my mother spent 30 years in the United States Postal Service mm-hmm. uh, trying to put food on the table. I come from a proud family back in Columbus, uh, six generations dating back to the late 1700s. Mm. In fact, before I left Ohio, I had found through Ancestry.com that I had multiple relatives that were African-American that fought in the Revolutionary War. Mm. So we're a proud Buckeye family with deep roots in this country. Uh, born and raised there, uh, went to graduate school at Miami University in Ohio, uh, did undergraduate at Ohio State where I was participated in collegiate athletics, uh, I've loved football my entire life. Uh, when I finished graduate school, uh, I realized that some of us were meant not to go to the NFL. <laughs> we, did, we, we didn't run fast enough, couldn't <laughs> jump high enough. Uh, and so when I was finishing my PhD, uh, I was able to start with the CIA back in 2006. Had a wonderful 10-year career with the agency. I worked in 42 countries mm. on four different continents. And at the time of uh, uh, that I finished my tenure at CIA. I was our uh, chief in Tel Aviv, Israel for four years. Had a wonderful experience. Uh, I was in line to be a finalist to be chief of the White House Situation Room. And unfortunately at the time, uh, my great uh, aunt, uh, God rest her soul, her name was Ruth Harrison. She was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to pursue other life pursuits. I came back to Columbus, uh, provided end-of-life care, wanted to help some family members out with some business transactions they were in. So I did that for a couple of years, uh, and then I decided it was really time to get back onto the professional workforce. Uh, I was privileged to take an executive opportunity with Pinkerton Corporate Risk Management. They brought me here to Miami, Florida. I had a wonderful one-year career down here in South Florida where I've met you, and I've gotten engaged with other institutions in the area. And recently, I was afforded another blessing uh, where I now serve as the deputy director for Circsinus UAE. They're, they are a global uh, defense contractor. And so I'll be moving to Abu Dhabi, UAE, here in about two weeks. Wow. Uh, I'll be there for a little while and look forward to returning back to South Florida. And you are coming back for the record. This is I, a live this show, is, my This friend. is for the record. This is live. This oh, is a right. hot take. Dr. Noble will be coming back uh, right. to engage this community. Excellent. And really take up where I left off in terms of supporting Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Excellent. and other like-minded organizations. That's wonderful. Why Big Brothers, Big Sisters? I mean, you are a well-traveled 
seasoned executive working with, obviously, uh, you know, you mentioned Pinkerton, but also mm-hmm. our Central Intelligence Agency as well. You have been behind the scenes keeping all of us safe and working with those yes. who do the same. So I recognize that team effort. Why big brothers, big sisters? This is a, a good question. Uh, I learned at an early age uh, from my grandfather who once told me that our youth represent 30% of our current population, but 100% of our future. And you do not tell my story without telling what men and women did to mentor me, to help me the whole way through. Like many uh, young brothers and sisters, uh, I grew up, uh, it was a struggle. You know, my mom, single parent mom, three kids, had to work at the post office, take odd jobs. Uh, My first job was at 15. I had to help my mom pay the rent Mm -hmm. to get by. And like a lot of young folks, I got into some trouble. Uh, wrong crowd. Uh, it's easy to get, uh, how can I say, distracted yes. by the things that you don't have when you're coming up in your lower middle class. And so I was blessed to have some young men in my life and some older men who just cared. They took time uh, to mentor me, to talk to me. In Columbus, Ohio, uh, in the late 80s, there was this wonderful group. They were called Sankofa Foundation. And Sankofa is an Andinkra symbol from Ghana, which is a bird reaching back to an egg on its back. And the analogy is you're supposed to give back, to mm-hmm. reach back to the youth. And so everything that I've ever done as a professional at CIA, Pinkerton, now Circinus, my education, I did not establish myself. Someone established had to teach me how to get there. And so being civic-minded... Uh, I felt that Big Brothers Big Sisters was a wonderful institution to get involved in because it's a way that not only could I give back, but I could directly reach young men and women, share my story, and show them that there are people in this community who do not run fast, who can't put the basketball in the hoop, who no longer can run a 4 4 40, but that are people that are real, that they can touch, they can engage, they can talk to, they can share their concerns and help them in that maturation process to adulthood. And I think that's what's important. In our society, we don't value the teachers, the educators, the mentors that help our young people become adults. That's so critical here in the 21st century economy. Brother, that's so powerful. When I think about growing up, single-parent moms, both of us, uh, single-parent homes, if you will, uh, mom's raising us. Uh, I grew up in Ohio as well, Toledo, Ohio. That's you know right. that already. That's right, T-Town. Uh, no doubt about it. <laughs> so we got Columbus and Toledo. That's right. Uh, two brothers growing up there with a mom that did, and again, my mom worked two jobs just to take care of her boys. And that would, that drives me today mm. in terms of, and she's here in South Florida now. God bless her. And so with that in mind, there were experiences growing up, those mentoring experiences. One of them was the barbershop. Mm. Did you have the barbershop experience in Ohio? No, brother, I... No, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything, brother. I know you... I, you, I lost you, my you hair years Afro, ago, so I was I'm one not, of those few brothers that I... I, I, I as, a, as a youth, I used to go, but I, I lost my hair at a real uh, early okay. age. But to your point, you know, the barbershop is where you could go and yes. you could let your hair down, proverbally. Talk to us. You know, yes. you could be mentored by the That's barber right. and your Uncle Joe and That's everyone right. else that was there. And, no and, doubt and about those it. Are, those are really important institutions. Right. The same way for women in a beauty shop. Yes. And what the church used to be yes. in the black community. Those are important, uh, how can you say, networks that people 
communities rely on. They're part of the health. When we talk about the political economy of a country, that's part of the cultural, social economy of our neighborhoods. And when we're talking about young men and women of color, and there's all these statistics that you can look at there and at risk, but here goes the bottom line. This is something I think is real important to our topic. This is not a problem that just the black community or the brown community has. This is a functional issue we have across the United States, and let me put it in perspective. So, you know, I used to be an executive with CIA, and I worked, as I've mentioned, 40-plus countries and, you know, been at the tip of the spear on all these issues. Yes. And the United States, we are behind in terms of the number of scientists that we're, we're producing, people who are going into medicine, people going into architecture, so on and so forth. And part of the problem is that we're not building those pipelines to what I call the 21st century institutions of education and beyond. What happens is you work, you have to work two, three jobs, you get your kid into college, and then you think you've done your job. Right. And what happens is they get there and they're not taking the right courses or they fail out because they lack that institutional information to help them get to the end. And so when we talk about mentorship, it's not just young kids in the quote-unquote hood or urban plight. We're talking about mentorship up and down corporate America and all of our businesses. I'll give you another example. I'm blessed to be an officer in the United States Navy Reserves. Uh, I believe in giving back. I believe in public service. And one of the things that I'm doing as a naval officer is reaching to some of my enlisted who may not have had the same educational background or experiences that I can, but try to help them show how they can make the U.S. Navy work for them as opposed to working for the U.S. Navy. When I was in CIA, I was blessed to have several mentors, men and women, who were able to show me the pitfalls and help me understand what are the various career paths that I could have Mm -hmm. in the agency. Mm -hmm. We had the saying, you can have many careers within your career in intelligence. Well, if we don't value that and as executives reach back to try to teach the next generation how we got to the places we were, then who's going to replace us in a few years? Correct. How are we going to be leading on new technologies and creative thoughts in a global marketplace Mm -hmm. when we're competing against the Chinese? We're competing against the Russians. And here in Miami, Florida, we're blessed to have people from so many different cultures. But what happens when people from Brazil start going back to Brazil, and they take that knowledge that they learned and they don't stay. We see this with the Indian American community. My father uh, recently retired. He was a successful cardiologist in Central Ohio. Okay. Had a large practice. Uh, It was a quote-unquote black-owned practice. My father and his best friend Ruben, they started it about 30 years ago. Hmm. When my father closed this practice, they had 30-plus doctors, and a handful of them were American. Everyone else was from China and India because we didn't produce enough electrophysiologists in the Midwest. So you have to go recruit where the talent is. Yes. If we don't get this thing right in terms of the importance of investing in education and investing in mentorship networks, regardless of what structure you're in, regardless of what business you're in, we're going to lose the, tw- the, the race to be leaders of the 21st century economy the same way that we want it in the 20th century. Dr. Keith Noble, dropping knowledge, Deputy Director Sarksenis, former CIA executive. As we talk about mentoring, that is why Big Brothers Big Sisters continues to increase in the mentoring space with school to work. 
workplace mentoring where companies can spend the time. And for any company listening today, we're on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify as well. And so as we teach the message, the necessary message of mentoring. See, one of the things that's interesting, uh, Keith, is mentoring, Look, people look at it as nice. Mentoring's not nice. It's mm. necessary. Yes. yes. And so school to work once a month, high school kids coming to that actual workplace, impacting organizational culture, learning. It's a two-way street. We have kids now, had one in the studio uh, not long ago, who started in high school as a little sister. Mm-hmm. She Now she works for the company full-time. Oh, man. Was the first high school intern. Little sister, first high school intern. Now she's working for the Fortune 500 company. Wow. Bottom line, when we stop investing, we stop growing. That's right. You know, if if I can just add to that, Gil. Please. When we talk about mentorship, because a a lot of times, you know, uh, I've had other seniors tell me, well, what does that mean? How do you do it? I I don't have time and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) This is is what mentorship is, at least in, in my opinion. It's that ability to have someone that's either in your chain of command, mm-hmm. they're in your business field, or they're someone that's accomplished, they've done something. And they're there to help you with understanding your strategic decisions. They're there to kind of pass on information. And this is why it's important, because this is part of corporate culture. What happens is you get young people in there and you spend twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 to recruit them, go through their background checks, interviews, some companies, you're flying them out, and you kind of see what's on the surface. Right. But the mentoring is the investment that the employer makes to keep them there, to work with them in terms of spiritually, their, their spiritual health, their, their physical health. Uh, where do they see themselves in the next five years? What are the tools or the pathways that they need to build in order to get to that C-suite that they may mm-hmm. want to go? Yes. I used to, you know, uh, when I was at the agency, my first leadership position, I was what was called the operations coordinator for our Africa program. And I had nine direct reports, and I was responsible for all of Sub-Saharan Africa in terms of coverage. And so I had some great kids, and I was, you know, <laughs> I was that much older than them myself. And what I realized when I would meet with them, that when I just gave them instructions on what I wanted them to do, I would get marginal results. But when I would sit down with them and look at what were their unique talents, and I would ask them, what did they want to get out of a position? That's when we really started turning it around and I started seeing uh, success in many of the initiatives I was doing because instead of trying to make my employees fit into a square circle, I found what motivated them. There you go. And then found ways to bridge that with our corporate goals so that everyone's rowing in the same direction. But you spent the time. It, 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 because here, here goes the thing, if we could just be all honest. Mentorship, it has to live within you. That's right. It has to be something where you're looking at it is, I'm not mercenary-minded. That's what happens in corporate culture where we're talking about Miami, talking about Washington, D.C. or anywhere else, you get in this rat race where you got to get promoted fast, I got to get the the big corner office, I got to get the Jag, the Porsche, and everything is me, 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 me. And what some of us find is that when we're working collectively, Mm -hmm. when you have the bigger picture in mind, that's where you get the most success because guess what happens, and I know you can uh, appreciate this. If you get to the top off other people's backs, that means when you fall, there's no one there to pick you up. 
We're talking about human. Look, every business, whether it's intelligence, whether it's big brothers, big sisters, it's about people. Yes. And people need, they're a resource. Every business is the people business. And so what we're failing when it comes to our corporate institutions is understanding how do we motivate these millennials? How do we help them bridge the gap between their technical know-how, which mostly, you know, I have two kids. My daughter, Sakara is 11. My son, Kafre <coughs> is eight. And they can run circles around me on an iPad. <laughs> I almost feel like they were cyborgs. I know right? the type. You know, they're kind of looking down. But if you have all that technical talent, but you haven't worked on those people skills, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have marginal success in the corporate workplace. That's exactly Because right. you're not trained to handle the politics of the workforce. You don't understand those political muscles that you have to pull as you're going up and down the corporate chain. And so mentorship as a big brother, big sister institution, when we look at it, we're not only helping kids deal with their immediate economic realities. You know, all of us weren't blessed to be born in a household where you had three generations of Dr. Nobles, right? right. So not only are we trying to help them deal with the here and now, but it's that investment you make in the future that when they do get to college, they have some skills to successfully take advantage of it. And when they do enter the corporate workplace, they've already been seasoned to some of the skill sets it's going to take to be successful. We just can't worry about as a community to get our babies there. we got to make sure that our young men and women have the skills so that on day one they can – they have tools to help them in this fight or what you call the game of life. And what you are dealing with, a mentor by definition, a trusted friend and counsel. Yes. Not only that, we grew up in Ohio. There were some basic values. Oh, Keith. H. There were some basic values. You say good morning. Yes. You speak to people. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Authentic relationships. That's yes, correct. sir. No, ma'am. I mean, that is just what we do. And so authentic. you mentioned authenticity. Correct. The old authentic relationships. Social media is great in and of itself, has its limitations. The art of conversation. Mm. I know Preach, when bro. I invited you to the game of life, <laughs> you said, let's just talk. Yeah. I said, we're going to talk about it. Actually, said, no, 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 let's just talk. Let's talk. And that's what we are doing. And so for those listening, become a big brother, become a big sister, 305-644-0066. Say, I want to have an authentic relationship to help a child. I want my company to help these kids learn about the workforce, enhance my current workforce, and what you just really just drop for all the world to hear is the fact that the best retention strategy for a corporate entity is to mentor. That's right, brother. You know, that's not, now you got the, the spirit flowing on this thing. That's what I do. I, I, I want to share another story with you, uh, a very personal story about what uh, exposure can do to young people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for every young CIA analyst or officer, you remember your first time that you crossed the great seal that has the seal, the CIA. You see them in all the movies. It's the black and gray and white seal. Yes. So my Can you first. Give me a T-shirt. <laughs> right, go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Go ahead and say what you want. I worked that in. It's my show. <laughs> so I remember my first day. I crossed the seal, and it's called EOD, Enter on Duty. Man. And over a hundred and fifty thousand people applied to the CIA on a yearly basis and less than 3% make it through. Wow. So I'm like feeling myself like, you know, young brother made it. You know, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, you know, James Bond. You know, Idris Elba is going to play me in the movie. Now I'm going to play you in the movie. Go ahead. You <laughs> just ain't available. I go to uh, my training course uh, that they put analysts through, and I listen to all of my colleagues who talk about all their global experiences. 
they were three three generations CIA. Uh, in my summers, I studied in Italy. All these different experiences that me, man, my summers, man, I was working at McDonald's. And I say, <laughs> if you're from Columbus, it's McDonald's. That's exactly right. I worked right. at McDonald's, <laughs> try to help my mom pay the rent. And it, it, was, it was a challenge. I was intimidated. You know, you know, I was working with people who had PhDs from Harvard and Yale, and they had been published in every journal that you could mean. And for me, it was a struggle to get to graduate mm-hmm. school because I didn't come from those, that history of accomplishment. Right. I had to literally build it. And what I found was that they had those, how can I say, check-the-box experiences, but there was one thing that I had that uh, helped separate me from some of the others, and that was I was determined. Uh, No one was going to outwork me. And so what I started doing was trying to position myself so that I could do the things no one else could do. And at a young uh, uh, age in my professional career, I realized I was gifted at relationships and politics. Hmm. And so I started maneuvering myself to try to be a presidential briefer, and I got to do that. And I used to brief President Bush uh, with his President's Daily Brief, and that really led to other opportunities. But when I say the exposure, my colleagues were exposed at an early age to all these different skills and experiences Mm -hmm. that I never knew of. I'm a lower middle class kid from Columbus, Ohio. It was by God's grace that I made it out. And so when we talk about mentoring through the context of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or we talk about it for our our corporate stakeholders that may be listening, it's about taking those young hires and exposing them Mm -hmm. to how does the CEO or how does the chief information officer, how do they make decisions? What is their day like? Let them see what they could be in 10 or 15 years from now because then you give them a target that they can shoot to. So when I started hearing all my colleagues' experiences, at first I was intimidated, but then I thought, okay, well, how am I going to use my career so I can get those same experiences? And then when I got into leadership, what I started doing was started having conversations with my direct reports and seeing what was their why? What were they missing that they didn't have an opportunity to accomplish that I could help participate in their professional maturation, why they were at CIA, why they are at Pinkerton, and in the future, why they're at Cirque Sentence? Those basic <clears throat> values of growing up in Ohio, I'm sure you're an MBWA management by walking around That's trying right. to lead her as well. It just built in. Yep. After this show, I'm going to walk around and <laughs> fist bump some of my staff and just check in on them. Authentic relationships. People want to know... In uh, my uh, political work here in South Florida, uh, for those that may be listening, a lot of people keep hearing me say this. I was like, I'm on a loop. And I tell all my, my folks is, people need to know that you care That's right. before they care that you know. That's right. And so when you talk about authentic relationships, mm. it's not, look, hey, check in a box. I got to get this person on LinkedIn. I got to take this snapshot with this person. It's well, what makes Gail tick? That's right. Where's Gail's background? How can I be a part of Gail's future success and where that leads to? You know, my friend uh, that uh, helped me with my current transition, you know, I made an investment six years ago in a relationship that I had no clue was going to pay off into the opportunity I have now to travel to the UAE. 
I made that relationship not because I knew one day he was going to help me out, but I made it because if you pay it forward enough, eventually it comes back it around. It comes back. You never know. You never know. Who's watching, who's listening. You never know, brother. Three to one, women volunteer to rate well compared to men. Three to one. Men in commitment, we hear about that all the time. Some people joke about it, but it's real in this mentoring, authentic relationship space. What message do you have? This is going to be my last question sure. for you, uh, Keith, and I tell you what, you're the message you have given us today about authenticity, real relationships, core this values, respecting humanity, and then you never know, full circle, how it may come back to you. You don't go into any relationship mm-hmm. expecting you're going to take care of me one day. Correct. <clears throat> it's our relationship. When we first met, I sat in my office, we talked, and here we are. That's right. Something that just continues to build. But what is your message to all those men out there that are just don't see the need? whether it's that barbershop experience, whether it's that corporate job, but just don't see the necessity of mentoring. Notice what I just did. I like that. I'm going to use it. I'm, I'm going to take that no, with brother, me. I'm mentoring. Copy. Mentoring. <laughs> I'm going to use it. You can use it. To, you can use it. Talk to me. Okay. What's the message to these men? Uh, as with all things, I'm going to try to make it personal. Uh, I grew up without a father in my life, uh, and uh, I'm a father of two. And... Uh, my young son, his name is Kafri. And my son and I have a special relationship. Hmm. Uh, you know, he looks up to me. He wants to be taller than me. He wants to be faster than me. Everything in terms of his self-worth, in many ways, he gets from the relationship that he has with his father. And I, I can almost feel my son's eyes on my back. Hmm. He looks hmm. at everything that I do. And... If I don't make the investment in him, then he's going to become someone else's problem. And I think as men, we forget that it's not just the woman's job to nurture our youth. That's not something that nature says it's for females to do by we're out hunting and gathering whatever else we're doing. And so, you know, unfortunately, especially when we're talking about uh, the black community and yes. other communities where you're dealing with social economic issues, unfortunately, we know the statistics about men and their engagement in the household. And I think if there are men out there that are listening to this podcast today, I think the best thing that I could tell you is that you can't do nothing ab- about what was done to you. You can't handle it. You can't go back to you when you're young and everything else. But you can start changing the world by touching your sons or your nephews, listening to them, uh, engaging them, asking them what do they want to do with their lives. And I think some men feel inadequate because they may not have the quote-unquote right education or the right bona fides. But our sons and nephews, the only thing they they care that, that you're there that you give a you-know-what, that you can pick up the phone or you can throw the football. You know, when I was a young boy, there was nothing I wanted more than to have a father I could throw the baseball with. That was my favorite sport growing up was baseball. And, you know, I was always ambitious, and I tried to get in all the sports things, and you know, my, my, my mother my grandfather, they couldn't always take me around. And I used to be jealous of my friends that had a dad. And I was the oldest, so I didn't have a big brother to play with. And I was 6 and 12 years older than my siblings. Mm. So I was in this unique space. Right. And as an adult, I found that 
in many ways, that kid still it sits with you. You don't ever forget that. And so it's probably one of the reasons why I've tried to give back as much as I can, because I remember what it was like to be that isolated young man. And so the message is, it's not about competing with women with regards to the ratio. It's about understanding that investment you can make and the few young men that are in your orbit. And if you can't do nothing else, if you don't have the money to put them through college or all those things, just being a part of their life that you can engage, you can talk to, when they make mistakes, you're there. That physical presence means so much because why it didn't work for you potentially, you can be part of the solution to ensuring that the next generation starts at a higher point on the ladder than what you did. So part of that is the saying, I'm going to take responsibility for the few young men that are in my life. And if I do that, and then if you do that, and another brother does that, then that has to be part of the solution to getting to a better place when it comes to the impact that men can make in our families and in our communities. There it is. Dr. Keith Noble, Deputy Director, Circsenis, former CIA executive, Big Brothers, Big Sisters board member, a good brother doing some great things for our community. Everybody listening, mentoring. Mentoring. Let's Mentoring. make it happen. We need more brothers getting in the space of mentoring. 305-644-0066. I can think of no better way, Keith, to start a new year by just letting people know. Keep it simple. Let's take FaceTime to a whole new level. Yes. We're talking not on that phone. We're talking real. Real person to person. FaceTime. Thanks for being with us today, Thank you Keith. so much, brother. It absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Always good talking to you, brother. Let's take it home. This is the Game of Life. Hi.